So I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles to John 13 this morning. We will be spending the next bulk of the month going through a new series um, up until kind of the move up day. If you don't know what that is, that will be um, on June 10th. That's where if you are, say, for example, a ninth grader, you will now be considered a 10th grader when it comes to youth group as well as youth group activities. Um, but as well, on June 3rd, we're going to be having a baccalaureate to celebrate um, and the seniors as well as a point of prayer and anointing. For them, And so up until that time, we're going to be taking just a little bit um, to look at this topic um, of messiness and the brokenness of life, which we're just going to call it the messy series. Can you say messy? Like Lionel Messi. Messy series. Say it one more time. Messy. And um, I would just say that this is something myself um, and others have been looking forward to even though it's going to be only for the next four to five weeks, we've been looking forward to talking a lot about this idea that God is someone who, who isn't afraid of our mess and he's not afraid of our brokenness, but God actually delights and he takes great joy um, in entering into the places that maybe you feel dirty or are struggling with the most in your own faith. And I just want you guys to understand as well, because a series like this could be misinterpreted, that this isn't a series to talk about all the difficult things about your life so that you feel ashamed of yourself, that you fall short. That's not our heart by any means necessary. But actually, in fact, it's to talk about those things and where Jesus is in the midst of them. And that our hope is that you would walk away from listening saying, wow, I didn't know that Jesus had that to say about my sexuality. I didn't know Jesus had that to say about gender. I didn't know Jesus had that to say about homosexuality. And so those are just a couple of the topics we're going to be looking at. I was trying to fit in and looking at um, as well as politics and talking about that, but I think that's going to have to wait until June after update. But Pastor Randy will also be joining us on May 13th to speak into this as well. And so this is something that I would just go as far as to say that it's an opportunity to dive into Maybe some things that are a little bit harder to talk about in church in a safe um, and transparent manner. And I think as well, guys, would you agree that because of the God that we serve and because of his grace and forgiveness and his love and his mercy, his compassion and his belief in us, that's the only way that we could ever talk about topics like that. Amen? Because of who God is. And so I want us to go ahead and look at John chapter 13, if you're in your Bibles We'll be diving into a part of the story. The book of John is the testimony of Jesus' life on earth. And we're looking at a specific point from John 13 all the way through the 17. If you um, are looking for a good place to read in your Bible, I would choose that chunk of chapters, 13 through 17. It talks a lot about the Last Supper, the night before Jesus was arrested and crucified. And Jesus begins explaining so much of his disciples about what's to come, what is the kingdom of God like, as well as reminding them of many of the lessons that they learned over the years that were with them. And so we find ourselves in this place where the supper has begun. It's Thursday night, it's Passover time, and in verse 1 it says this, It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. That's talking about his death and resurrection 
having loved his own, the disciples, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now the evening meal, talking about the Last Supper, was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. We will talk about that later. That's important. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So at this point, Jesus knows who he is. He knows what's about to happen. And yet, what it would say next is that, so he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was clean. Now when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes again and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you that no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Can you say amen to God's word with me? This last weekend, um, a couple of us got the opportunity for our junior high ministry, which is seventh and eighth graders, to go out on a retreat with a group um, of young dudes And we actually talked about this same text and this same story in Scripture. And if you don't know what it is um, or what our retreats are like, we have, it's the third year in a row that we've done it for them where it's specifically on sexual purity. This is a retreat that's based not only around talking about what the Lord has in store for them when it comes to sexuality and purity, but what we have found is that this weekend has been a real weekend of deliverance and healing you would be shocked at some of the things that 7th and 8th grade dudes struggle with. That's something God put on my heart personally, knowing my own testimony. And so this last weekend, we talked about this story, and we we even offered a response of, if you need to come forward and you want to commit to Jesus, you want to let Jesus wash your feet. And it was incredible. It's incredible to watch little munchkins in 7th grade. All right, that you would look at and go, you're a child. You're just a kid and you, you goof off. You can't even hold a conversation. But it's truly incredible to see a kid walk forward and just say, I'm struggling with pornography and I don't know what to do. I'm struggling with masturbation. I'm, I'm scared of my parents in this way and I don't know what to do and I need help. And to see the bulk of students come forward. In fact, we did a response and say, stand up if you need healing. And literally everyone in the room just stood up at once. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what church really want, should be about. And what Jesus wants his church to be about. 
Because for them to talk about issues like that out loud to their leaders and to God is such a beautiful thing that God wants for us. Which is funny because the last place that you thought you could open up about difficult things, it's oftentimes the most important things to God regarding your own faith. The last place you thought you could talk about that is often the very first place that Jesus actually wants to be in regards to your faith and your life. You know that Jesus has a heart and a passion for going to the most disgusting parts of our lives because he loves us. Say the word because. Because. Because he loves us. Have you ever thought about that maybe for just a quick minute? That maybe Jesus actually wants to go to those places in your life? It's interesting looking at this story. It says that Jesus knew who he was. Here he is at the Last Supper at an important part with his disciples. And yet, what it would say is that he loved his own to the very end and that he wanted to show the full extent of his love. Now, pause and follow me for a quick second. Um, Boys in the back, thank you. Um, Follow me for a quick second. Jesus is wanting to express his love to them. What follows next is really important learning about how God loves people. So if you want to know what love looks like, look at what he does next. He doesn't make, he doesn't make his disciples serve him, but in fact, Jesus changes his outer garment. He takes off the rabbi's garment and he puts on a servant's garment. So he looks different. He fills the basin and he begins washing the feet of his disciples. They didn't have shoes in those days, and so washing feet was a common thing, but it was also a common thing for servants to do of the house, that you would wash my disgusting feet of the dirt and everything that comes with walking through it. And yet Jesus would choose that of all things to show us how much that he loves us. In fact, many of you guys know the story of the Exodus. If you don't know what it is, it's a story of when God used Moses to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt, and he delivered them, and he gave them um, the law. He gave them, this is how you're going to live righteously before me. And in fact, he said this to the priests, the people who were ministering on behalf of that day. When you enter into my presence, when you enter into the tabernacle, he says, you need to wash your feet. Otherwise, you'll be guilty before me. And so it says that if you want to not only enter my presence, but minister before me that it's important that you wash your feet. So the people of the day would have very much known this, as well as could you imagine what Jesus was thinking during that day as he was washing their own feet, that I'm cleansing you so you can enter into my presence. But not only that, I'm washing your feet so that you can minister on my behalf. See, God is someone who wants to wash us and cleanse us and go for the dirtiest places on our body So that we can not only enter his presence, but that we could minister to other people. Amen. This morning, I just want to, I just want three simple points as we give a general overview. I think when you dive into topics like that, I think it's good to have a little bit of preface and introduction to be able to prepare your art and how you'll receive. Everybody say how. How you receive things will determine very much what you receive from it. And so I I just want to talk about three simple points this morning. The first one is this, our mess is the very thing that Jesus loves the most. Say the word most. Jesus isn't a moderate thing. It isn't the least thing. It isn't the thing that he has to do. 
But actually, God thrives on getting into the messiest places of our lives. God thrives on getting into the places that we feel most inept, that we feel like is the very thing that keeps us out of heaven. Isn't that interesting to think about? Jesus was someone who lived for it and came to earth for that mess. Jesus didn't come to earth because earth was clean. Amen? Jesus came to earth because it was a complete and utter mess and it needed a savior and Jesus fit the bill. That's why Jesus went for the tax collectors of the day. That's why Jesus would go out of his way to go talk to a Samaritan woman by the well who had five husbands. That's why Jesus would stop and hang out with lepers. That's why Jesus would go to the house of Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, and the multitude of things that Jesus did. It's a reflection of God's own heart that he is looking for the places that are truly broken and that he wants to be a part of it. It's so funny. I know that maybe some of you have thought this before in your life. How many of you have ever, for once in your life, you don't need to raise your hand or anything, but thought, if people knew what I thought deep down or what I struggle with, that they would reject me. They would think that something is wrong with me. Ever thought that before in your life? Definitely. Been there with you. Maybe you're thinking that right now. Maybe that's something that's creating a fear or even a wall from you opening up to God because you're afraid that if God really knew what was going on or your friends that are here for you and want to see you living fully in Jesus, they really knew. They'd reject me. They'd think I'm weird. They'd think less of me. What if they thought more of you because you were bold and integrous enough and humble enough to say, this is what's kind of going on in my life. See, Jesus sets a precedent and example for our lives that he's someone who actually wants to be a part of it. I thrive off of this. This is what I want when I get to be a part of you. In fact, there's a story in the Bible in Matthew chapter 9. And it says that you can just follow along or take notes. It's Matthew 9, 9 through 13. It says, as Jesus went on from there talking about his early, his ministry, he saw a man named Matthew referring to the very author of this book. But this is before he was following Jesus, sitting at a tax collector's booth, which was one of the most wicked professions of the day. Follow me, he told him, Jesus did. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Now, when the religious leaders of the day saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus calls Matthew. And Matthew does something interesting. I admire him for this, and I want to be like Matthew in this way. See, Jesus is calling all of us. Jesus is walking to us. First of all, Jesus goes to Matthew while he's practicing his wicked profession. He's not waiting for Matthew to find him. Jesus goes to him and he says, follow me. Just follow me. That's all I got for you. I have no criticisms about your life, even though I could. He just says, follow me and you'll get out of whatever you're in. And Matthew does something. Not only does he follow him, but Matthew has the boldness and the courage to say, I found Jesus today, and now I want him to enter into every part of my life. 
So Matthew, a tax collector, and if you thought that was a bad profession, wait till you see his community. Amen? And what he says is that he invited him into his house with all of his tax collector friends and literally sitting down and eating. Can you guys picture that with me? Can you picture Jesus, the Son of God, and all of his disciples who are learning to follow him, sitting and sharing a table with some of the most wicked people of the day? What an interesting sight to see. In fact, it was so profound that the Pharisees themselves, the religious leaders, go, what is he doing? And Jesus would reply, actually, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. I'm here so people would be healed. So that's why I'm going and sitting at this table. That's why I'm here. See, something about Matthew that I admire is this. I have no problem saying that I'm following Jesus, but where I really struggle with is inviting him into my house. See, following Jesus and saying, all right, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you say, and I'm just going to put my whole past. I'm going to deny everything that's going on in my life. All right, I'm good from this point on. But Matthew does something really interesting. He's like, no, if this is really who he says he is, why not invite him into every part of your life? Why not invite him into your past? Why not invite him into your circumstances? Hey, here are my friends that I used to hang out and sin with. Hey, Jesus, I want you to meet. I want you to tell me about this. If Matthew was a present-day person today and this was played out, this is what it would look like. Jesus would walk up to him and say, follow me. And he'd be like, great. I want to introduce you to my friends at school who don't know Jesus. Great. Tell me about them. Tell me what I should do. Tell me about the way we relate to each other. Tell me about our language that we use with each other. Hey, Jesus, here's my phone. Can you search it? Tell me what you think about how I post stuff. Tell me how you think I interact with people around me. Hey, Jesus, here are my parents. Tell me what you think about that. Tell me how I'm treating them. Tell me how they're treating me. How do we do this? Am I messing up? Am I doing something wrong? You guys get the picture now? Amen? Matthew is someone who didn't just say, I'm going to follow Jesus, but leave my whole life out of the picture. He's someone who goes, I know following Jesus means sharing my whole life with him. The second point is this. God wants to make his home in our brokenness and redeem it. You see, God doesn't just want us to come forward and say, yes, I'm struggling with this. Yes, I'm having trouble with this. This is what's going on in my life. Great. Bye. I'm never going to talk about it again. See, that's great that you make that step forward to admit things. And that's an important step forward. But to stop it right there is to miss the very reason that Jesus came in the first place. You see, Jesus actually wants to make his home in our brokenness. Jesus wants to reside in the places where you're presently weak. And he wants to redeem those places in our lives. I know that for so much of my life, I struggled with so many things. And I had no problem admitting that I struggled with things, even to the godly people around them. But only until I was willing to not only admit, but to invite God into that place and say, have at it, God. What do you think about this? Tell me what I should do was the minute that redemption began to happen in my life. And when it comes to your gossip, when it comes to your anger, when it comes to your depression, when it comes to bullying, when it comes to profanity, when it comes to violence, when it comes to hurt from past people, when it comes to sexual struggles or thoughts about sexuality, when it comes to a porn addiction, when it comes to social media, 
when it comes to doubts, when it comes to fears, when it comes to skeptical thoughts, when it comes to struggling with your family, when it comes to unforgiveness of other people and unforgiveness of yourself, when it comes to your past mistakes, those are all places Jesus wants to put a foundation in a house there because he wants to call it home. Jesus wants to make his home in the very places we don't even want him to go in our lives. Because he loves us so much. He doesn't just want to know about those things, but he wants to actually be there. Because Jesus knows that only by being present in those places can truly redemption happen. You can openly talk about certain things, but there's a major step to be had in letting Jesus into where you might find yourself. Where do you find yourself this morning? What are you, what are you thinking about? What are you struggling with this morning? What do you have questions about? Maybe you need to learn something from the Lord. Maybe God wants to teach you in that dark place what it's like to be in redemption and to live in freedom. But all that to say, it begins with a heart that's willing to say, Lord, this is what I'm going through. But also say, and now I'm going to let you call the shots, Jesus. That's key to redemption. And then the last point is just simply this. God will only enter our mess if, everybody say if, if we let him, and he will only redeem us if, if we let him. I want to show you a picture. How many of you guys have ever watched the show Hoarders? I hate that show. All right. Can you put the picture up? Um, that show gives me so much anxiety. Amen. I look at that and I just want to clean. All right. And so if you ever watched it, unfortunately, I have at my local dentist. All right. That... This is gnarly. And yet, this is how people will live their lives. And what's funny about the show, I don't know if you've ever watched it, half the show is convincing the person that they need help. That's what's even scarier about the whole thing, amen? That literally the beginning of the episode's like, hi, my name's Janice, and this is my house, and it's great. And it's like, hi, Janice, you need help. And here comes this team in, and they, they show the devastation of everything. And then they come forward and it begins the process of convincing and showing that person that there is an unhealthy mess in their life. Which is funny because oftentimes the response is, no, it's fine. This is how I've always lived. This is how I've lived since this moment happened in my life. Why would I need to change anything? And so it's not necessarily a willingness as much as it is struggling with their own heart. Because here's what I know about God and I know about myself. There are some things I'm very willing to tell God and share with God. Amen? There are some things in my life I'm not really that willing to share with God. It's a little bit harder to go, what? there's no problem with that, God. Why are you pointing to that in my life? And in the same way, oftentimes in our own lives, we go, God, why are you pointing to that? I think that's fine. And Jesus goes, well, you think that's fine. But actually, that's that. Can you keep that picture up, Angela? That's what it looks like. And what's interesting is that the process begins of taking stuff out. And the people oftentimes are like, no, I need that. No, I need that. Wait, don't take that away. And the person's like, you can live without it. And it will be healthy if you do. And it pictures what it looks like in our own lives when we say, God, why are you removing that? God, why are you taking that and replacing that in my own life? God, why are you changing the way I talk? God, why are you changing the way I'm treating people? And God goes, you need that in order to live in the fullness of what I have for you. 
Um, <laughs> do you want to go ahead and put that up, Angela? Perfect. Um, but I think something about that is God will only enter it if you're willing. How many times have you ever seen just someone bulldoze a house and say, we're taking it, we don't care what you say? That's illegal and you'll go to jail for that. Amen? But only until there's a willingness can something truly change. And I want you to look at the scripture because Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples. And then he gets to Peter in this story. And Peter, recognizing who the Messiah is, and also think about this for a minute. Peter is recognizing, and Jesus is recognizing, he's washing the feet of someone who's going to betray him. Think about that. Jesus knew that Judas would betray him, and yet he's like, man, I love you so much still. I know you're going to betray me, but I'm still going to wash your feet. And yet, now he gets to Peter, and Peter goes, you're going to wash my feet? You're the Messiah. I should be washing your feet. And he says, you don't realize what I'm doing right now, but you will understand. And Peter then says, you'll never wash my feet. And Peter doesn't go, oh, that's sweet. You think the world of me. You know what Jesus says? Jesus is pretty stern and tough loving in this next scripture. He says, unless I wash you, you will have no part of me. So imagine you now standing before God and you're like, God, I don't deserve you to forgive me. So let me earn my way. And Jesus goes, unless I wash that, you can't be a part of my kingdom. Unless I get that, unless you let me willingly and gracefully forgive you, you have no part of me. Because if you think that you have to live up to some expectation in order for me to love you and forgive you, you'll miss the whole point and you'll never deem yourself worthy enough of my love. Only until you're willing to let Jesus wash you right now. And can I, can I just tell you guys something in this room right now? You know that God loves you right now, even with all your brokenness and all of your darkest thoughts and past mistakes and present weaknesses, you know, God loves you right now in it. Yes, God wants you to grow and he wants you to live in freedom in those things. And some of those things take real time and real life to happen and real learning. But did you know that God loves you right now? And so to say that, well, I think God's mad at me is completely the opposite of what God really thinks. And only until you can land on that can you truly be open enough to say, God, I'm going to give you the messiest parts of my life because I know you love me right now. Can you say right now with me? Only until. And Jesus wants to be a part of our life. Revelation 3.20, Jesus paints this picture of our lives like a house and he says, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus doesn't kick down the door, but Jesus simply knocks. But if you're willing to let him into that place, if you're letting him wash your feet, he will. And he won't disappoint.